Hi, this is Brad Constantine, and you've reached the Book of Mormon Lecture Series. I've been teaching seminary and institute for the last 11 years, and uh, this is an attempt to do a deep dive into the Book of Mormon itself. I'm hoping that you'll find this uplifting and edifying. This is not an official recording of The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, but every attempt has been made to be as doctrinally accurate as possible. So if you're ready for a deep dive into the Book of Mormon, here we go. Hi, and welcome back to the Book of Mormon podcast. Uh, this discussion is going to be on Jacob chapter 7. This will be the last chapter of Jacob's writings. Uh, remember that uh, Jacob in the last chapter had finished uh, what he thought he'd finished writing in the, in the small plates of Nephi, so he put them into his file cabinet, locked them up, thinking that he would just uh, at the right moment give them to his son uh, when it was the right time. And, and so an experience happens, and um, he thinks this is significant enough to include in the plates. So remember that the plates... Uh, they're running out of room on these small plates too. There's not a lot of room left. And so to record this experience is pretty remarkable. So it must be something that we need in our, in our day to understand what, uh, what this chapter is all about. So let's get into this. Now it came to pass, verse one, that after some years had passed away, see, he thought he'd, he was done. Therefore came a man among the people of Nephi, whose name was Sherem. And it came to pass that he began to preach among the people and to declare unto them that there should be no Christ. Antichrists of our day teach man's self-reliance with his own well-being, for his own well-being, that Jesus was a great moral teacher and community leader, not that he was the Messiah or the Son of God. And he preached many things which were flattering unto the people, and this he did that he might overthrow the doctrines of Christ. Flattery is an overstatement of a truth. It is trying to get someone onto your side, excessive praise for purpose of manipulation. The Antichrist is angry with the truth because those principles testify against his own wickedness. Verse 3, And he labored diligently that he might lead away the hearts of the people, insomuch that he did lead away many hearts. And he, knowing that I, Jacob, had faith in Christ, who should come, he sought much opportunity that he might come unto me. Sherem challenges the prophet of God. Sherem knew the truth, and we'll find out later, but was teaching against Christ. If he could convince Jacob to follow him, then he would also get those that followed Jacob. Verse 4, And he was learned that he had a perfect knowledge of the language of the people, wherefore he could use much flattery and much power of speech, according to the power of the devil. And he had hope to shake me from the faith, notwithstanding the many revelations and the many things which I had seen concerning these things. For I truly had seen angels, and they had ministered unto me. And also I had heard the voice of the Lord speaking unto me in my in very word from time to time, wherefore I could not be shaken. And it came to pass that he came unto me, and on this wise did he speak unto me, saying, Brother Jacob, I have sought much opportunity that I might speak unto you, for I have heard and also know that thou goest about much, preaching that which ye call the gospel or the doctrine of Christ. And ye have led away much, much of this people, that they pervert the right way of God, and keep not the law of Moses, which is the right way, and convert the law of Moses into the worship of a being, which ye shall which ye say shall come many hundred years hence. And now, behold, I, Sherem, declare unto you that this is blasphemy, for no man knoweth of such things, for he cannot tell of things to come. Sherem would have had to have received a revelation about this, because it was not taught in the Scriptures or the Law of Moses that he professed to follow. So to say that, um, that no man knows of things to come is receiving a revelation, uh, which is contradictory to what he's teaching. And after this manner did Sherem contend against me. But behold, the Lord God poured in his spirit into my soul, insomuch that I did confound him in all his words. And I said unto him, Deniest thou the Christ who shall come? And he said, If there should be a Christ, I would not deny, I would not deny him, which is a lie. But I know that there is no Christ, neither has been, nor ever will be. 
And, and I said unto him, Believest thou the scriptures? And he said, Yea. And I said, Then ye do not understand them, for they truly testify of Christ. Behold, I say unto you that none of the prophets have written nor prophesied, save they have spoken concerning this Christ. And this is not all. It has been made manifest unto me, for I have heard and seen, and it has also been made manifest unto me by the power of the Holy Ghost. Wherefore, I know if there should be no atonement made, all mankind must be lost. So he's stating here three witnesses. They are the scriptures, the prophets, and the Holy Ghost. Back in 10, he said the scriptures say this. Verse 11, the prophets have written. And verse 12, the Holy Ghost. So the three witnesses here. President Benson said, may I suggest three short tests to avoid being deceived? One, what do the standard works have to say about it? Two, the second guide is what do the Latter-day presidents of the church have to say on the subject, particularly the living president? And three, the third and final test is the Holy Ghost. This test can only be fully effective if one's channels of communication with God are clean and virtuous and uncluttered with sin. Verse 13, and it came to pass that he said unto me, show, show me a sign by this power of the Holy Ghost in the which ye know so much. Signs or miracles do not convert people. Sometimes they don't even satisfy curiosity. Jesus taught that an evil and adulterous generation seeketh after a sign, to which Joseph Smith added that this principle is eternal, undeviating, and firm as the pillars of heaven. For whenever you see a man seeking after a sign, you may set it down that he is an adulterous man. That was from the teachings of the prophet Joseph Smith. Verse 14, And I said unto him, What am I that I should tempt God to show unto thee a sign in the thing which thou knowest to be true? Sherem actually knew the truth, yet thou wilt deny it, because thou art of the devil. Nevertheless, not my will be done, but if God shall smite thee, let that be a sign unto thee that he has power both in heaven and in earth, and also that Christ shall come, and thy will, O Lord, be done, and not mine. Uh, when the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints was first founded, you could see persons rising up and ask, what sign will you show us that we may be able to believe? I recollect a, a Campbellite preacher who came to Joseph Smith. I think his name was Hayden. He came in and made himself known to Joseph and said that he had become a considerable he had come a considerable distance to be convinced of the truth. Why, said he, Mr. Smith, I want to know the truth, and when I am convinced, I will spend all my talents and time in defending and spreading the doctrines of your religion, and I will give you to, to hundreds. Well, Joseph commenced laying before him the coming forth of the work and the first principles of the gospel, when Mr. Hayden exclaimed, Oh, this, this is not the evidence I want. The evidence that I wish to have is a notable miracle. I want to see some powerful manifestation of the power of God. I want to see a notable miracle performed. And if you perform such a one, then I will believe with all my heart and soul and will exert all my power and all my extensive influence to convince others. And if you will not perform a miracle of this kind, then I am your worst and bitterest enemy. Well, said Joseph, what will you have done? Will you be struck blind or dumb? Will you be paralyzed or will you have one hand withered? Take your choice. Choose what you please. And in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, it shall be done. That is not the kind of miracle I want, said the preacher. Then, sir, replied the prophet, I can perform none. I am not going to bring any trouble upon anybody else, sir, to convince you. Um, verse 15, And it came to pass that when I, Jacob, had spoken these words, the power of the Lord came upon him, insomuch that he fell to the earth. And it came to pass that he was nourished for the space of many days. That is, Sharon was taught and instructed in the ways of truth and righteousness. He was nourished by the good word of God. Physical nourishment may also have been involved. Sharon was now unable to care for himself. And it came to pass that he said unto the people, Gather together on the morrow, for I shall die. Wherefore, I desire to speak unto the people before I shall die. 
And it came to pass that on the morrow the multitude were gathered together, and he spake plainly unto them, and denied the things which he had taught them, and confessed the Christ and the power of the Holy Ghost and the ministering of angels. And he spake plainly unto them that he had been deceived by the power of the devil. And he spake of hell and of eternity and of eternal punishment. And he said, I fear lest I have committed the unpardonable sin, for I have lied unto God. Though the ultimate fate of Sherem is not known to us, whether, for instance, he will come forth in the resurrection of the terrestrial or celestial kingdom, this we do know, deathbed repentance does not have within it the seeds of everlasting life. His sin is not unpardonable. He will not be numbered among the sons of perdition, for he still possessed a soul capable of repentance, which disposition is wholly alien to a son of perdition. For I denied the Christ and said that I believed the scriptures and they, they truly testify of him. And because I have thus lied unto God, I greatly fear lest my case be awful, shall be awful, but I, I confess unto God. And it came to pass that when he had said these words, he could say no more, and he gave up the ghost. And when the multitude had witnessed that he spake these things as he was about to give up the ghost, they were astonished exceedingly, insomuch that the power of God came down upon them, and they were overcome that they fell to the earth. Now this thing was pleasing unto me, Jacob, for I had requested it of my father who was in heaven, for he had heard my cry and answered my prayer. And it came to pass that peace and the love of God has, was restored again among the people, and they searched the scriptures and hearkened no more to the words of this wicked man. The scriptures are the standard and will help us as we, so that we are not deceived. And it came to pass that many means were devised to reclaim and restore the Lamanites to the knowledge of the truth, but it was all in vain, for they delighted in wars and bloodshed, and they had an eternal hatred against us, their brethren, and they sought by the power of their arms to destroy us continually. Wherefore, the people of Nephi did fortify against them with their arms and with all their might, trusting in the God and rock of their salvation. Wherefore, they became as yet conquerors of their enemies. Defend against your enemies with weapons. God expects us to do all we can to defend ourselves. Then he will fight our battles if necessary. Verse 26, And it came to pass that I, Jacob, began to be old, and the record of this people being kept on the other plates of Nephi. Wherefore, I conclude this record, declaring that I have written according to the best of my knowledge by saying that the time passed away with us, and also our lives passed away like as it were unto us a dream. We being a lonesome and a solemn people, wanderers cast out from Jerusalem, born in tribulation in a wilderness, and hated of our brethren, which caused wars and contentions, wherefore we did mourn out our days. So Jacob is kind of summarizing here in this last verse, kind of his life, that things have been hard for him. Uh, but our lives are like a dream, aren't they? Verse 27, I, Jacob, saw that I must soon go down to my grave. Wherefore, I said unto my son Enos, take these plates. And I told him the things which my brother Nephi had commanded me, and he promised obedience unto the commands. And I make an end of my writing upon these plates, which writing has been small, and to the reader I bid farewell, hoping that many of my brethren may read my words. Brethren, adieu. So at the end of the chapter here, he uses a French word. Does Jacob know French? Um, French hadn't been invented yet, right? So why does Joseph use this word at the end of Jacob uh, when that's not even an English word? Why would Joseph Smith use that word? That's an interesting uh, question. Let's, add, let's figure this out. Daniel Ludlow said this. Some anti-LDS critics of the Book of Mormon have raised the question as to how Jacob could possibly have used such a word as adieu when this word cleared. Notice that I pronounced that correctly. That's because I went on a mission to France. It's adieu. Oh, yeah, pretty good. Sounds really good, doesn't it? Aren't you impressed that I can speak French? Anyway, it comes from the French language, which was not developed until hundreds of years after the time of Jacob. Such critics evidently overlooked the fact that the Book of Mormon is translation literature, and Joseph Smith felt 
free in his translation to use any words familiar to him and, and his readers that would best convey the meaning of the original author. It is interesting to note that there is a Hebrew word, lahitra, at, which has essentially the same meaning in Hebrew as the word adieu in French. Both of these words are much more than a, than a simple farewell. They include the idea of a blessing. Would it be unreasonable to remind these critics that none of the words contained in the English translation of the book of Jacob were used by Jacob himself? These words all come from the English language, which did not come into existence until long after Jacob's time. The word adieu means to God, literally translated. And so that's the word that uh, Jacob felt best suited him as far his, as his farewell to us uh, from his writings. I bear testimony to the truth of the gospel and that the Book of Mormon is literally translated material from Hebrew, uh, from the Hebrew culture. And I say that in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. See you next time.